the Christmas season, once again it's here. The Dallas is elected the man of the year. The hip hop job is the one on fat. Got one, nine hundred, nine zero, nine rap. Yes, Dallas got the word. word. And it's better than toys. The own rap, my skills and boys. The Christmas word. Work out a standard stack. Got one, nine hundred, nine zero, nine rap. So pick up your phone, sit back, relax, and listen. Kids, before you dial, get your pants for mission. Yo, call right now and share Santa's hip hop holiday. Two hours the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Welcome back to uh, Pump Action Podcast. We are the hosts, TIE Fighter. And T-Bone. Yeah, and today we are going to be discussing a Christmas classic. This is our second 2022 holiday special. Yes, that is true. Everyone else, they just do one holiday special a year. We do two holiday specials a year. Yeah, two more. Come on, you can do it. (laughs) Come on, Eddie. Two more. Why buy one when you can buy two at twice the price? (laughs) That's right. And you're not even paying for these. They're free. Anyway, but no, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, um, T-Boat and I actually got together over the summer to do these and we recorded about six and um took a bit of a break um and when the holiday season rolled around um t-bone uh called me on the old telephone and he said i've got an idea i'm gonna make us a nice batch of rambo apple cider (laughs) we're gonna you know put hang the tinsel and we're gonna talk about jingle all the way (laughs) And I said, who told you you could touch my cookies? <laughs> Put that cookie down. Uh, but no, yeah, we're here to talk about Jingle All The Way. So um, this is a fun one. You're, I, I was recently told um, that you're over this movie. <laughs> how, how could you possibly be over Jingle All The Way? So it came out in 96, 1996. Yes. Um I was in college. You yes. were you were too, I believe. I was. I was. Um, it's not really a college guy kind of movie, so I didn't really get into it when it came out. Not enough murder and boobs in it for you? It, I think it just came out at the wrong time in my life, personally. Yeah. Um, I didn't see it till maybe within the last seven or eight years. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, I was like, eh. It's a it's a good it's a fun uh, I mean so it's a family movie definitely. Um, if you are not a family person or not a kid, uh, it's maybe better if you're having a few drinks while you're watching it. <laughs> so that that's where I'm coming from. I didn't I didn't grow up with this movie. Saw it as an adult after a few drinks. It you know not my favorite Arnold film. It's, For sure, it's, it's your Santa with muscles is what I was trying to get T Bone yeah. to talk about. But. So I, I do have my my non alcohol free eggnog here <laughs> while we're talking about this. Yeah, he, he did pour himself a tall glass of nog. Um, I think he put a shot of whey protein in that too. 
Just so you guys know, we're still keeping it real, even though while we're recording these. But no, uh, I'm kind of the same with you. I um, okay, so let's just put it out on the table. Huge Arnold fan, probably my number one right. go-to guy. I know right. you said you're sort of a Jackie Chan guy, which I get. Arnold has been my guy, and I'm pretty sure I've seen every Arnold film in a theater, starting with T2. I think from then on, I've seen them all. Um, he was, he, he, in my book, he could do no wrong. <laughs> and when I saw this one in a theater, it was a head-scratcher. And this is coming, well, I mean, this came out before Junior, I believe, right? This is before Junior or after Junior, I can't remember. Uh, I have that note somewhere. I believe it was... Before, before Junior. Oh, no, after. Okay, after. okay, okay. Yeah. So I was gonna say, um, I had seen Junior because I remember thinking like, okay, so we tried comedy. I mean, Twins was a smash. I love that one. Kindergarten Cop, smash. Love that one. Junior, like, what the fuck are you thinking with Junior? If you forgot Junior, he's the pregnant guy. He's the doctor or a. Uh, He's a uh, fertility doctor, and he and Danny DeVito team up once again, and only this time he impregnates Arnold, which is still, like, if you go back, and I watch that every year on Mother's Day. I make my wife, yeah, I'm like, we're going to watch Junior on, on Mother's Day. But anyway, um, <laughs> there are some really funny scenes in that, you know, but anyway, um, like, oh, my nipples. Like, and he goes like, oh, shit. When I, when I, <laughs> When, like, the, the he's, he's starting to, like, um, uh, cramp up, I guess. But uh, anyway, so I forgot even where I was going with this. I, I think I've hit the holiday eggnog too hard, too. <laughs> well, anyway, so, like, when I saw this, I had seen the other comedies, I guess is what I was going to say. This one, for me, was a head-scratcher. I still loved it, but not to the same degree as I loved all of his other efforts. And to think that this movie, he had two movies come out in 96, Eraser, which is a really underrated, forgotten film. I agree. I love Eraser. Uh, to go on a tangent, Eraser is probably my one of two most underrated Arnold movies. The other one being Raw Deal. <laughs> Where he plays the Sicilian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so like this came out like on hot off the heels of Eraser, because Eraser comes out in like June 96. It was the summer film. And then, like, four months later, I think this debuts in, like, November of right. that year. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, with given how it was back in the 90s, that both films were playing in a theater at the same time. I don't remember that, but I wouldn't be surprised if Eraser was still in the theaters. But um, if you haven't seen Eraser, go back and watch it, because it is freaking amazing. That would be one that would be a fun one to do. But um, anyway, so, yeah, he went from a really awesome classic, you know, 90s shoot 'em up to chasing down a toy uh, with Sinbad. And I was like, huh. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Jingle All the Way, it's a family comedy Christmas film. I, I didn't even think to check. It's, what is it, rated PG? Probably? I believe it is PG. There are uh, some, some, cursing, some yeah. cursing in it, but not terrible. Uh, family comedy Christmas film released in 1996, mm-hmm. directed by Brian Levant, who, of course, the 
world-renowned director of Problem Child 2. Yes. Beethoven. Yes. The Flintstones. Yes. Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas. Yes. So. <laughs> Have you ever looked at his internet movie database, though? I, I did today. He has the most amazing... You do realize that that is the guy that is responsible. He was the showrunner for, like, Happy Days. I don't know if you knew that or not. Like, the last, like, six seasons or something like that. He is the guy that is responsible for the classic, memorable Fonzie jumping the shark. That's him. That's the guy that... He was a writer for, we, for Happy Days. We have him to blame for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he is. And he also did, like, the, the new Beaver, the Leave it to Beaver mm-hmm. series yeah. as well. Um, he has the most amazing um, filmography um, as a writer, as a showrunner. Mork and Mindy. He worked on Mork and Mindy, too. Um, he worked with, I mean, golly, it's crazy the people that he's worked with. But anyway, go ahead. Yes, I saw some interview I think it's on the Wikipedia page. Someone was asking him about all the crap he gets for all the terrible movies he directs. Yeah. And he's like, well, every time I go to a video store, everyone's always renting my movies. So <laughs> yeah. I get I get the last laugh. That's right. That's right. So Jingle All the Way stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as mattress salesman Howard Langston. You're my number one customer. <laughs> Don't forget. And uh, comedian Sinbad <laughs> as mailman Myron Larrabee. Yes. They are both trying to purchase a Turbo Man action figure for their sons. The action figure is the hottest toy of the year and sold out everywhere. So uh, wackiness ensues. Yes. That's kind of the brief synopsis of the film. Yeah, I was trying to, I was telling T-Bone before we started rolling tape here. I was, you know, jotting down to my notes as I was watching it last night trying to like follow the movie like plot wise. And I was like, there's really nothing to write about plot wise because it's just like, we go to the mall, wacky shit happens, and now we're at a radio station, and even wackier shit happens, and now we're at a toy store, and now we're in a warehouse with Santa Claus, and like just, and it's the same thing, only just different set pieces. This is definitely a set piece kind of movie, yeah. But it's still to me like a lot of fun. But um, yeah, go especially ahead. if you're drinking. Yeah, you. you uh, I will say, like I was telling T Bone again um, before we started rolling the tape, I had. Uh, a first you know, beer that I've had in a very long time, and it certainly made the movie much more enjoyable. <laughs> I think I was even texting like, "I forgot how much I love this movie." You know, I've, you know Arnold forever. <laughs> the film was inspired by real life crazes for toys, such as the Cabbage Patch Kids and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which occasionally led to violence and riots among shoppers. The initial script for Jingle All the Ra- All the Way was written by uh, Randy Cornfield, who wrote the script after seeing his in-laws go to a store at the crack of dawn to buy a Power Ranger for Cornfield's son. <laughs> uh, Chris uh, Chris Columbus, who did a rewrite of Cornfield's script, had a similar experience when looking for a Buzz Lightyear action figure in 1995. Yes. Uh, 1996, the year that Jingle All the Way was released, was the year of the big Tickle Me Elmo craze. Yes, I was actually working, uh, I wrote some notes about that, um, at Toys R Us in Norman, Oklahoma, um, during all of that. And I remember how big a deal that was. Like, I worked, like, the overnight shifts at Toys R Us. I used to build, like, bikes. So if you ever bought a bike and you wanted to assemble, and Norman, that was me that was doing it. And so I remember, like, the, the trucks would come in overnight 
and we would have overnight crews like unload them. And when boxes of Tickle Me Elmo's came in, we would immediately take those and put them like in the, um, uh, we had what's that called a security booth? It wasn't really security, but it's where they put all the video games. I don't know if you remember how right. all the, toy, the old Toys R Us were. If you wanted a video game, you took that little slip and you purchased it and then you had to go get it. Well, they would put those in like that locked room. And I mean, they were like so stealthy, like walkie talkies are like, you know, like, okay, we got two boxes of Tickle Me Elmo's. Like, Take them to the security booth. We'll put those out at like 4 a.m. stat. Like, I mean, it was like a secret. Like, don't tell anybody. Like, don't let anybody know. Like, even the employees where we weren't allowed to get them, you know, even when I worked there. So I do remember like people, like, it was insane. It really was. And I don't think there'll ever be another hit toy like that. I mean, I just, kids just don't play with toys like that nowadays. Yeah. And then the internet makes everything different. So. Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, when this movie came out, that was the, the like the plot of the movie was very relevant to kind of pop culture at the time. Right. So, Chris Columbus's script, uh he also satirized the commercialization of Christmas and that was the his script was the one that was ultimately approved by 20th Century Fox to go ahead for production. Bryant Levant was hired to direct the film because Columbus said he had a clear vision for what he wanted to do, and he was very excited about the script. Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally cast in uh, 20th Century Fox's remake of Planet of the Apes, which was due to go into production at this time, Mm -hmm. but that fell through, and they were able to grab him for Jingle all the way. That's a whole crazy backstory, that yeah. that Planet of the Apes thing. Uh, uh, Chris Columbus was also attached to that Planet of the Apes remake. And uh, so, as we talked about a few minutes ago, this was Arnold's fourth appearance as the lead in a comedy film yeah. after Twins, Kindergarten Cop, and Junior. Do you know how much he was paid for this movie? I know at one time <laughs> he had to have been like the highest paid... Actor, uh, I'm gonna take a guess. I'm gonna say 19 million. 20 million. 20 million. Okay, I knew and, it. It was got to be around yeah. that ballpark. In 1996, which is like 40 million now. That it's is insane. Crazy. That is insane. Uh, so Joe Pesci was initially initially eyed for the role of Meyer in the Mailman. Yes. But uh, they eventually cast Sinbad because he was closer in height and size to Arnold. And you know, if you've never seen this, there's a lot of kind of like. Action and fighting, physical stuff going on. So, and it was actually Arnold's agent that suggested Sinbad, and producers were hesitant hesitant at first to cast him as a as a villain because at the time he was kind of seen as a family friendly comedian. Yes, but uh, Sinbad wanted to do it because he thought the role of Myron was more sympathetic than villainous. And uh, audiences might be able to uh, empathize with him. Yeah, I don't know. He tried to blow up a radio station. <laughs> <laughs> I have a quick well, question. Well, you know, it was the 90s. Yes. <laughs> this certainly pre-9-11. Been, I was going to say pre-9-11. Like, I don't think that would have happened at all in yeah. a film like this. Uh, for, especially a family film. Um, one thing that I just wanted to say, like, um, you know, for a comedy, I, I just never thought Sinbad was all that funny. Like, did you ever yeah. find him... At all funny back in the day? No. Um, yeah, he was, I guess, like a nine, big in the 90s, kind of, 
I'm not sure what his demographic was. I don't I guess. know. I mean, it was family friendly, yeah. but it just, I mean. Not us, I guess. Yeah, apparently. he was no carrot top. That's but, all I got to say. Yeah, and did did some movies and as well as stand up. First kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, he was cast as Myron. And a majority of his lines in the film were improvised, as were uh, many of Arnold's lines when they were interacting together in a scene. The film also stars Phil Hartman. Yes. Rita Wilson. A pre-Star Wars Jake Lloyd. Yes. Martin Mole, Jim Belushi, Lorraine Newman, and Harvey Corman, among others. Yeah, and there's a lot of other, um, like Paul White, like the giant from the wrestler, you know, the wrestler mm-hmm. Paul White's yeah. in it. Uh, Vern Troyer. Yeah. I also saw him. Yeah. And then the other, uh, the guy from Seinfeld, I can't remember what his name is, off the top of my head, that played Mickey. Oh, yeah. The other little yeah. the little person. Right. Um, but there's like a lot of, I could, how stacked this cast was. Yeah. Like, I forgot about Jim Belushi being in it. And, I, and every time I forget that. Because, yeah. you know, he and Arnold had done um, uh, Red, uh, Red Heat. Yes. Together. Yeah. And so I don't know, like, if maybe there was a connection there. But I also know, like I said, Bryant Levant, the guy that directed this, he knows so many people. And I think he even invited, like, some of these people um, just to come and do those little bit parts. Like you said, um, Richard Mall is in it. Um, uh, the, that played uh, Bull. I almost said Bull Hurley. That's over the top. That played Bull from Night Court, the big bald guy. He's in it the, at the very beginning of, like, the Power Ranger thing. Um, what the show that he's watching on TV, mm-hmm. the Turbo Man show. Um, Jim Belushi. Uh, well, Chris Parnell was also in it. He played like the, the real snarky toy store clerk. Um, you know, he kind of went on to do things. But yeah, Rita Wilson, I think he knew her from, I think she was on Happy Days too or something like that. But anyway, yeah. so. Filming started on April 15th, 1996 in Minnesota. They filmed it in uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, lasted only five weeks. Uh, up to that point, it was the largest production to ever be filmed in Minnesota. Mm. The final parade scene, however, was filmed in Los Angeles at uh, Universal Studios because the action sequences were easier and safer to film there. They, it was the parade scene. Yes. That scene alone took an extra three weeks of shooting. They also filmed a few other random scenes in Los Angeles. Turbo Man was created specifically for the movie, obviously, and all the commercials and Turbo Man TV show scenes were also directed by Brian Levant. Mm -hmm. Turbo Man, Booster, and Dementor were all created by production designer Leslie McDonald and character designer Tim Flattery, and they also helped make the full-size Turbo Man costume worn by Arnold at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Principal photography finished in August of 1996. So the soundtrack includes music by film composer David Newman and songs by other artists such as the Brian Setzer Orchestra, Chuck Berry, Johnny Mathis, Nat King Cole, and others. You can actually buy that soundtrack on uh, Amazon, and it's pretty good. It's still it's pretty good. Um, I bought just like the digital version. I know yep. sacrilege, but um, <laughs> I just I'm just not a big Christmas music like buyer. Like I, you know, I'm like CD or wise. Anyway, but yeah, that soundtrack is really good. If you're into soundtracks, so because uh, production of the film happened unusually quickly, I believe it was uh, 
six months from the time that they cast the main cast until they were done. So it was only six months, basically. Um, there was very little related merchandise created to tie in with the film, and it was mostly limited to a Turbo Man replica action figure and a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they only produced very limited numbers of those toys. The world premiere of Jingle All the Way was held at the Mall of America, where some of the film was shot on November 16, 1996. And during the premiere, Arnold donated props from the movie to the Planet Hollywood that was in the mall. Planet Hollywood. Only a restaurant like that could exist in the 90s. You ever eaten at Planet Hollywood? I went to the one in Dallas, and I got, like, I wanted a a hurricane glass. Um, I didn't get the hurricane that came in because I was just a kid at the time. It's very average food for for what it is. Yeah, I just remember, like, walking around, like, looking at all the props. It's sort of like the Hard Rock Cafe, but only with movie stuff. But it was really odd because, like, people are, like, eating underneath, like, motorcycle boots that were worn in, like, Terminator 2. And, like, I'm wanting to look at that and, like, people are eating. So you're, like, standing right next to people who are eating, you know. It was a bizarre experience. But I did. I went to the Planet Hollywood in Dallas. Yeah, it opened in wide release on November 22nd. It made $12.1 million in its first weekend, which is $23 million in 2022 dollars. It opened in fourth place behind Star Trek First Contact, which is a great movie. It is a great one. Space Jam and Ransom. It oh, op- what about my son? <laughs> <laughs> it ultimately grossed $129 million worldwide, which is about $245 million in today's dollars it had a budget of 75 million or 142 million in today's dollars which seems kind of high for yeah that kind of for movie. sure but i guess we know 20 million of that went to arnold yeah in the united kingdom it was released on december 6th and it topped the box office that weekend critically it did not do very well it had mediocre at best reviews with some being downright negative but audiences polled at cinemascore.com give it a B-plus rating. Hmm. So it's very much an audience movie and not a critics' film. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I also think, too, that like it's sort of found its audience, too. It's one of those movies that was panned right. upon release, even by, I think, even during uh, the audience at that time, too, even hmm. though people were still shelling out money. But you also have to remember, like, in 96, like, we didn't have, you know, Netflix. There was no streaming services People went to the movies. Like the movie theaters used to be packed. Like you would, you know, on an opening night. Like people, that's what you did. You went to the movies, you know. Um, and so, like nowadays, like you know, a film like this would be just go straight to Netflix or go straight to you know HBO Max or something like that. But yeah, plus all those kids that grew up with it, you know, they're kind of popularizing it again. Yeah, it's, for you know, sure, for yeah. sure. Uh, Brian Levant was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Director. <laughs> and the uh, the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. <laughs> no, were, I didn't even know there was a Stinkers yeah. thing. Uh, it, nominated, it nominated Jingle All the Way for Most Painfully Unfunny Comedy. <laughs> well, that's unfair because I smiled. <laughs> it's not this. painful. It's not Come painful, on. <laughs> yeah. The Stinkers also nominated Arnold for Worst Actor and Rita Wilson for Worst Supporting Actress. However, Arnold won a Golden Camera Award for Best International Actor 
and Sinbad won a Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Best Supporting Actor in a Family Film. No, he did not. Yeah. <laughs> for this movie? Yeah. That's awesome. He was released on VHS in October of 97 and DVD in November of 98. A yes. DVD, DVD re-release occurred in December of 04, and a director's cut came out in October of 2007. A Blu-ray director's cut came out in December of 2008. Which I do have, and yeah. I've watched both versions. I, I, I have the, and honestly, like the theatrical version is to me the more preferred version. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, it's there's not really a whole lot other than just a few dialogue scenes. I think there's like maybe twelve extra minutes in it, but it's mostly like dialogue. It gives a little bit more of Myron's backstory, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, there's just a few cut lines here and there, but for the most part, it, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But to me, like, I thought that the pacing, because I've, I've always watched the extended cut, and I was just like, because that's the one I just, I've never seen it, so I, it's the one I went with, but this time I'm like, I'm going to watch it, the original cut. Are and you, it, to me, it did, it, the pacing was way better, even though it had, like, just dialogue. Are you bits. daring to question the vision of the director of Problem Child 2? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will say... Um, that guy has gotten a, re- a very bad rap, especially for these. He was the perfect director for this movie, and I'm going to tell you why. Because he did do films like um, Problem Child 2 and Problem Child 3, Junior Falls in Love. And I think he did the Flintstones, mm-hmm. the both the Flintstones and yeah. the Beethoven movies, which those are, A, all family movies. Um, you know, B, they all are set-piece movies. I don't know if you remember... I, have you ever seen the Problem Child films? No. <laughs> well, like the whole color schemes are like primary colors, and it's very comic booky. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all again, it's all set pieces. Like it's the set designs are fun. They are fun movies. They're terrible, but they're fun. Right. And same thing with Beethoven. You know. Um, so when I got to Jingle All the Way, it's like okay, like. It's it's fun and like I said earlier, it's all set pieces. It's the same shit that happens only in a different location. First, you're at the mall, then you're at the Santa warehouse, <laughs> then you're at like a, a toy store. Get in a fight and then run away. Get a, yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. <laughs> and then you're at another store, and then you you know go home for a little bit, and now you're at a parade, and now you're at karate school, and like all this. I mean, it's just like the same shit happens, but just in different places. But so it was a. I mean, like I said, he's a good director. I, he gets a bad rap for this film, which I actually laughed at. I think I read an interview with him where he said, like, after this movie came out, he was put in director jail. Like they wouldn't let him direct anything. <laughs> um, but then, like, he got out of jail, and what's the first movie that he does? Christmas Story Two. Oh, and then he got he gets sent back, <laughs> and that's the one that has nothing to do with Ralphie or anything like yeah. that. That's like yeah, it's a whole different other mm-hmm. uh, film that he does. But um, I will say two really quick um, talking about Ryan Levant. I also read the interview where he took this movie because he's a um, very world renowned collector of like things, um, anything pop culture. He collects like old cameras and typewriters and board games and cereal boxes and just, you know, everything from like his youth. And when they presented this film to him, he's like the first thing that he thought about was like toys. Like they're going to make toys for this movie. (laughs) This movie is about a toy. And so he signed on to do this movie simply based on the fact that he just wanted to collect the toys that were going to be supposedly 
pitched out his merchandise. You and know? they barely made any toys. <laughs> yeah, and they like, you know, like farted out a few toys and yeah. Um, but they did also re-release the Turbo Man doll. Um like last year, I've seen it at Walmart. Really? Um, so, and it's still the same scale and everything, same box. And I've just, I've never picked it up. I've always wanted to, but I just can't pull the trigger on thirty dollars for a turbo van. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so. Um, so, as of right now, uh, it is available for streaming on multiple streaming services. Yeah, so it's not hard to find if you've never seen it. There was a direct-to-video sequel released in December twenty fourteen by 20th Century Fox and WWE Studios, but it has no connection to the original and stars an entirely new cast. It was written by uh, Roger Cornfield, though. Oh, it was. Is uh, it starred Larry the Cable Guy, too? Isn't yeah. It? Isn't it? yeah. That's a complete opposite vision of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's a, here's a little bit of trivia. There was a lawsuit in 1998... Uh-huh. Fox was sued for $150,000 on the premise that the idea for the movie was stolen from a screenplay written by a school teacher named Brian Webster. In uh, 2001, Fox was found guilty of stealing the script and ordered to pay $19 million. Whoa, they sided with that guy? Well, the verdict was appealed and the amount was lowered to $1.5 million. But in 2004, the whole case was basically thrown out when another judge found the case in favor of Fox. I was going to say that you never hear them siding with people that claim that. Yeah. So there you go. Jingle all the way. (laughs) Terrible movie, but a lot of fun. Yeah, I never thought that we would be um, of all the Arnold movies that we could talk about. I mean, the, the... the list would go on and on and on. I never thought the first movie that we would be talking about is Jingle All the Way. But we, I think we got to talk about Phil Hartman, though, because, um, you know, re-watching this, that he was so good in this movie. And I didn't know if you know or not, but he actually auditioned for the part of Myron. And, um, Did not know that. Yeah, and when he came in, he read for that part. And they were just like, yeah, you're just... Really not, this is not you, I guess, but they, the director liked him so much, he said, like, you know, I have, like, this other part, if you'd be, you know, willing to, you know, read for that one. And so he read for, um, is it Ted? I think it's, I think it's Ted. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. I just watched it last night, and I can't even remember. See? That's what happens when you have the first beer in, like, three years. Um, but I think he's... Uh, he read for that one, and they're like, oh, my God, like, you're so good. And he was, like, improvising, like, a lot of his lines. My favorite line in the whole one is, like, where, um, like, he, like, looks at Arnold, and he was like, you can't bench, you can't bench press your way out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Like, that's just totally Phil Hartman. But Was this his last movie? It might have been, actually. I thought I read something about that. Um. Well, I uh, I have a few top ten lists. Oh yeah, let's go for it. If you, since we started doing that. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, do you have any other notes you want to mention uh, about? I just was talking. That, well, I said you know basically I think we've hit most of it. Um, you know that that opening scene um, where they. The, the Turbo Man television show, I thought for sure was filmed at the Vasquez Rocks 
where like the famous Gorn fight took place in the original Star Trek. I'm sure it was. But it wasn't. I looked oh. it up. I, I for some reason I was like, that's killing me. Like that's gotta be that scene, but it was not. Um that was just filmed, I guess, on the sound stage somewhere, somewhere yeah. in California. But yeah. So that's not um I would the, like I was talking about like um oh, the scene where he at the very beginning of the movie where Arnold comes into um Jamie's room um after missing his belt ceremony. Right. And um his whole wall is like covered with like Marvel, um, uh, like comic, like art or whatever, like paintings. And I noticed like on the wall there was a Hulk mask. And I've always wondered like you know because of the Lou Ferrigno playing the Incredible Hulk and Ferrigno and um, Arnold's history if right. like, if that was like done on purpose because that'd be like something I think that Levant yeah, being like a. a scholar of pop culture would have known, you know what I mean? So right. I did notice that. I was like, oh, like Lou kind of makes like a cameo in this movie. Uh, what else do I have? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's do the top 10 list and I'll kind of keep reading through my notes. All right. So I've got the top 10 best-selling toys of December 1996. Oh, this will be fun. Yeah. This is from kidscreen.com. Yes. And this is ranked by dollar sales. Yes. And this does not include video games. This is pure toys. That's what we're talking about. December 96, top best-selling toys. Number 10, the Easy Bake Oven and Snack Center. Oh, the old by classic. Hasbro, yeah. Surprised to see that. It's still yes. a top 10. Number 9, Ocean Magic Barbie oh, from Mattel. I think that's the one that had the hair and you could like like clamp it and it would make like patterns like in her hair if i'm if i'm not oh, mistaken yeah. again i worked at toys r us so like i know all of these <laughs> oh, yeah okay number eight my size dancing barbie doll also from mattel okay okay number seven hot wheels five car assorted gift set yeah again by mattel another classic number six the 96 happy holiday barbie from Mattel. A lot okay. of Barbies on this list. Holiday Barbie was always like a thing because they always changed up yeah. every year. Number five, uh, Cabbage Patch Kids Snack Time Kid. Oh, wow. a lot of snacking yeah. back in 96. Cabbage Patch Kids. I, I guess I'm surprised to see they were still popular in 96. Yeah. They're kind of like a mid-80s. Yeah. Uh, number four, here we go, uh, Tickle Me Elmo. There it is. From Tyco. Number three, Another Barbie, Pet Doctor Barbie. Ooh, Do you remember that one? I don't. Uh, number two, Shop and Fun Barbie. Uh, Shop and Fun Barbie and Kelly playset. And uh, number one, do you want to guess? I'm going to probably say Toy Story, like maybe. Mm-hmm. Toy Story was 95. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I still thought it may have carried the weight over right. into 96. Uh, it's another Barbie item, the uh, Barbie Dream House. Oh, play okay. set. So, yeah. yeah. Top selling toys of December 96 by dollar sales. Nice. Excluding video games. Right. Which leads me to my next top 10 list. Oh, okay. This is the best selling video games for the entire year, 96. Yeah. Worldwide. This is everywhere, all year. Were you a big video game guy in 96? Uh, I was still in college, so I had a PlayStation. Yeah. So I was kind of getting over them by then. Yeah. Uh, number 10, Madden NFL 97 Okay. for the PlayStation. 
Number nine, Dragon Quest three for the Super Famicom. Uh, number eight, Wavery 64 for the Nintendo 64, which I believe premiered in 96 yeah. and 64. Number seven, Donkey Kong Country 2 for the Super Nintendo. Wow, so they were still making the old 16 bits then. Mm. Number six, Pokemon Red, Green, and Blue for the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Number five, Donkey Kong Country 3 for the Super Nintendo. Number four, Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo. Number three, Resident Evil Biohazard for the PlayStation. I remember that one. Number two, PlayStation came out in 95, didn't it? I believe so. Number two, Tekken 2 for the PlayStation. Tekken. And the number one best-selling video game in 1996 worldwide. Mortal Kombat? Super Mario 64. Oh, of course. For the Nintendo 64. Yeah, of course. That yeah. should have been a... With the, with the release of the 64, that yeah. should have been a, an obvious choice yeah. for number one. So, big year for toys. Apparently a big year for Barbie. Yeah. In 96. You don't hear much about Barbies anymore. You sure don't. But, I mean, we're not little girls, so I guess that's <laughs> why we don't hear about them. <laughs> um... Yeah. What is that line where, like, um, it's in the, the Simpsons where it's like, but that one's holding a clipboard or something like that. It's like, yeah, get it. Or, like, whatever. I don't remember what it was. Malibu Stacy. But that one's holding a clipboard. I don't well, remember what it was. It is Christmas, so I do have a gift of one more top 10 list. Oh, okay. Well, this is the, the, the episode that keeps on giving. <laughs> That's right. This is the highest grossing films of 1996. Yes. This will, this will be a little more relevant, maybe. More interesting to talk about. Number 10. And uh, this is worldwide, too. Top 10 highest films grossing worldwide. Number 10, Space Jam. Yes. Number 9, Jerry Maguire. Ah, show me the money. (laughs) Number 8, The Nutty Professor. Yes. Number 7, Ransom. What about my son? (laughs) That that movie kind of just... It it flies under the radar. Yeah, you don't hear about it. Number six, 101 Dalmatians, the uh, Disney live-action remake. Number five, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Disney animation. Number four, here we're getting into some heavy hitters here. Number four, The Rock. Oh, wow, with Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. Number three, Mission Impossible. Number one. One. First first Mission Impossible. I remember seeing that. 96. Blown away. Number two, Twister. Oh, the old Oklahoma classic. Yeah. <laughs> Cow. And the uh, number one highest grossing film in the world in 1996. Do you have any guesses? Oh, gosh, 96? I'm trying to think. That's... my my. I think, I want to say, that my gut's saying Forrest Gump, but for some reason I'm thinking that's more like 94-ish. I don't know, what is it? Independence Day. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember Independence Day, um, leaving that theater and just, like, having my mind just melted. <laughs> and my brother going, eh, I just expected a little <laughs> bit more. I was like, what? You expected a little bit more? Like, what else could you ask for? It was like, aliens, they blew up the freaking White House, dude. Like, what else could you actually... Eh, I was just expecting a little bit more. <laughs> I was like, get out of here. Yeah. 
And uh, here's your little stocking stuffer bit of <laughs> trivia. Um, I don't, I don't believe you have released this episode yet. We mm. we did talk about Rumble in the Bronx. Yes, I've not um, released it yet. Yeah, we did an episode on that, but it's not out yet. Um, Rumble in the Bronx was the most profitable movie of '96. It earned uh, 20 times its budget. As well it should. As yeah, well it so, should. There you go. Highest grossing Independence Day, most profitable, Rumble in the Bronx with Jackie Chan. Yes. First, well, I shouldn't say first American film. First reintroduction right. to American audiences. It was audiences. big American yeah, introduction. Yeah. And have the one sheet over there, I yeah. see. Is that <laughs> the one that has like all of the broken bones on the yeah. back? Yeah. That's a great poster. I have right. that same poster. It's awesome. It's vintage. Vintage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, all right. Well, hey, Jingle All the Way. Fun movie. I I still, it's, this is my, what is your go-to Christmas movie since you're over this one? Uh, my top two. Yeah. Die Hard. Of course. And Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. Yeah, yeah. I am definitely a, um, I'm a Christmas story guy. I actually got to see that one in a theater. My uncle took me when I, and my brother, and my, well, my cousin, my brother, and myself, and my uh, we went to the Village Twin over off of like, oh my gosh, it's like off Admiral and like Garnett. There used to be a little twin movie theater over there. We went and saw it. And so I've always just, I've loved the Ralphie, but I, over the years, like I've just seen it so many times. Like yeah, I, it, it's it was... lost its luster, but there is still like a lot of scenes and lines that still make me giggle. Like, not a finger. Like stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. still make me giggle. That's where they did the twenty four hours of the Christmas story. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I I'm like you, I saw it so many times you just turn on TBS and just And just let it play. Let it go all day. Yeah, yeah, just let it go all day long. So yeah, I'm still a Christmas story guy. Um I, I don't know. I, I I like Christmas I'm very much a seasonal movie watcher. But I'm gonna have to probably go um with Rocky Four as my number two favorite Christmas movie. Um, and why Rocky Four is because the big fight takes place on Christmas Day, <laughs> and they train to like the Chipmunks Christmas, like, you know, like in the little <laughs> little shed, and Polly's like roasting that marshmallow over that candle. Great, great. So, yep, Jingle All the Way. Go check it out. It's it's available everywhere. Um, like I said, I had a lot of fun with it. Just very nostalgic. Um, this movie also pissed me off too because it was the only Arnold movie that I can remember that was um, sold in like a the oversized clamshell. So here I have my VHS collection. Back in the day, it was like Conan, Conan the Destroyer, Commando, Raw Deal, uh, Predator, Running Man, Terminator, Terminator Two, and then like Dark, like they're jingle all the way, and then it's like Eraser, the, the big. Plastic, True. yeah, the big Disney, it was white, white plastic, yeah, it Disney was like cartoon white box. too, yeah. And then it was like True Lies, and like it went on. I was like, oh, look at that glorious, and then it just stuck out like a sore thumb. I was just like, I hate that movie just because of that. It just jacked up the whole Arnold collection. Jingle bells, yeah. <laughs> jingling all the way. There's my empty eggnog glass. <laughs> Time for a refill. I didn't hear no bell. All right, yeah, round two. No, I'm just kidding. All right, well, thank you so much, guys, for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this little bonus off-the-cuff episode. It was a lot of fun, and 
thank you for making me watch this movie even though you're over it. But I don't care. I will watch this movie anyway, even without you telling me to watch it. But anyway. So yeah, we'll be back here in a couple of weeks. Probably not till after the first of the year. I think Bloodsport's going to drop. Um, I think that's the next one I got lined up. So, uh, but yeah. So if you have any uh, you know questions or, or comments or uh, you know show ideas, you can shoot us uh, a message over on Instagram. We are at Pump Action, or excuse me, Pump Action underscore Podcast over on Instagram. Um, I have not re uh, reactivated the Facebook Dojo page, but I can't change the name of it, so it's still Numero Uno <laughs> Dojo Iron Masters Numero Uno Dojo. But uh, anyway, so yeah, you can find us over on, on Instagram. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think. And if you are over on iTunes and you're catching us on there. If you could, leave a review so that people can find us. Um, that, that always helps people. Um, I've got a lot of good feedback from everybody that's listening to the show so far. They love the format, um, and they all want to know if you will come and um, help them during their workouts. They want to know if they can hire you to personally train T-Bone. I'll say his schedule right now is booked, but um, we could probably squeeze you in. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a jingle all the way workout? Uh, no. Um, we're going to take a break until after the new year, so go ahead and get your mini bulk in. Yeah. Binge. And then we'll we'll get in shape Yeah. for the next episode. For the next episode, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get your uh, your uh, chairs out because we're going to be doing a lot of... A lot of split-legged splits <laughs> for the next one. So. Well, all right. So thank you so much. We'll catch you uh, next time. Later. Yes, sir.